I, um, I like to talk about my mom because um, my mom was, um, well, I don't know if I'd call her a saint. I mean, she was my mom, but um, she was a good mom, a great mom. And from the time that I was in middle grade school, my dad and my mom both worked full time. And so I would take the bus home from school, walk down our street, and could, would come into the house, and um, nobody was home. I had free reign. We had a black and white TV. Took about 15 minutes to warm up. We had a refrigerator filled with goodies that I was not supposed to touch. And I could even reach the cookie jar. In fact, the same cookie jar that graces the top of our refrigerator um, with cookies that our grandkids know will be in that cookie jar. But sometimes my mom would leave a note on the kitchen counter. And it would tell me things that I needed to do before she got home. And like a good, dutiful son that I was, most of those things never got accomplished. I was too busy playing with my friends or watching the afternoon uh, television shows. And then what would happen is I would hear my mom's car drive in and the garage door go up. And the door from the garage into our house, the handle began to jiggle and I realized that um, mom was home and the list wasn't done. Um, my mom wasn't that upset with me, though I did have to do that list, and I did get a talking to about my responsibilities, that she works all day, and dad works all day, and they feed me three meals, and put clothes on my, you get the picture. Moms don't have to hit you. They just have to talk to you. And every so often, when my mom would go to work, and my dad was at work, and the list was left there on the counter, my mom would call. And um, I'd pick up the phone, and I would say, Kay's residence, Randall Kay speaking, to whom am I speaking to? That's what I was trained as a kid. No uh, voicemail back in that day. And my mom would say to me on the phone, Randall, I am coming home soon. And that was her kind and gracious way to say, you better get to the list. She would call and give me a warning. Out of the graciousness and goodness of her heart, she um, gave me grace. It was a, in, in some way a hidden grace for me. I didn't quite understand it, but I was very thankful for it. And in John's letter today, we receive a gracious warning. 
for us so that we uh, know that not mom is coming home, but Jesus is coming back. And we are in the second chapter of John's first letter, starting at the 28th verse. And here is John's little bit of grace revealed. Here is John's phone call. He says, Mom will be home soon. Jesus will be home soon. He says, and now, little children, abide, live, walk in Jesus, so that when he appears, you will have confidence and not shrink away from him and shame at his coming. Jesus has given us a, a list, a responsibilities that we are to do and, and have accomplished before he comes back. And John is telling us here, giving that little grace reminder, children, do the list. Live the life. Abide in Christ. Because he is coming back, and when he comes back, you want to receive him as, as I would on those days that I actually did what my mom told me to do and say, Mom, it's so good to have you home. Look at, I checked off everything on the list. I didn't have to shriek, uh, sh um, shrink away, maybe shrink is a good word, shrink away from my mom at the shame of her coming, and John wants us to know how to live the life that makes us not ashamed when Jesus comes. And his coming will be, in some ways, without warning. We can, as we said a couple weeks ago, we can hear his uh, hand upon the doorknob. We hear the garage door coming up, but we don't know exactly when he is going to walk in the house. So we need to be ready. So let's continue to read. You, if you know that Jesus is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And righteousness here is not just simply doing good. There are lots of people in the world who do good. But they're not necessarily doing acts of righteousness. Acts of righteousness is doing what God tells us to do for God's glory. And those who know Jesus, who are part of him, who have been born of him, as John the letter writer will talk about in his gospel where Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus and tells Nicodemus he needs to be born again. Nicodemus looks at him and says, how can a guy enter back into his mother's womb? That's an impossibility. And Jesus says that it's not being born again in the flesh, it's being born again in the spirit, of having God's spirit come in you and give you new birth. And that's what John here in his letter is talking about. In John chapter 3, he, we read, um, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. 
We sang about that over and over again today. What a wonder it is that we should be called the children of God. And then he kind of places an exclamation point. He says, and so we are. We are the children of God. As we follow Jesus, as we are born in him, as we live and dwell and abide in him, as, as he talks about in God's, uh, John's gospel in chapters 14, 15 going on, that we abide in him and he abides in us. And he wants us to know the love of God Love of the Father, just as he knows it in its fullness, Jesus desires for us to know that love. As we trust in Jesus, we are the children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There are people in the world that are totally oblivious to who God is. If they really understand who, understood who God is, they probably would not do the things that they do. As we prayed for our brothers and sisters uh, today, they are experiencing firsthand uh, the hatred of people because they do not know who God is. That following Jesus, understand this, following Jesus puts us at odds with the world. Sometimes we hear the gospel proclaimed and the invitation given at the end of a church service and it says, ah, come to Jesus and you get heaven. We don't say, come to Jesus and your life may be hell on earth. It doesn't preach real well. Not a lot of people come forward for that kind of message. We have to understand that as Jesus says, you come to me, you pick up your cross, you die with me. But if we die with him, we also will be raised with him. Because Jesus died on the cross and he rose triumphant, we can die to ourselves and raise to newness of life. Life that is now and later. Verse 2 of chapter 3, John continues to write, he says, Beloved, he's talking to us, the church, we are God's children now. It's not something that's just going to happen later, but we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when Jesus appears, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Being a child of God is here and now, but it's also later. We are children of God here and now. We are loved of him here and now in, in this world, in this present place. God showers his love upon us. But yet there is so much more coming. 
There is the coming of Jesus. As we see Jesus, we will see him in his fullness and we will understand his love in its fullness. We don't know what that's going to be like. We can't quite wrap our minds around it, but oh, what a day that will be when we see Jesus face to face. We will see what he really is, the almighty God, who he is. We will feel his love in its totality and its fullness, and we will be wrapped up in that. So we are thankful for what we have now, and we anticipate with hope what we will have later. That we are the children of God. Then John gets, um, digs a little deeper here about what it is to be the children of God or not the children of God. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. He says there is two words he wants to use, sin on one hand and lawlessness on the other, and they are really the same thing. When we sin, we are in fact breaking God's law. It's just not about us, it's about God. King David said, um, when I sin, Almighty God, it is really between you and me. I break your law, not my law. I break your law, not the laws of my land. But my sin is before you. And so that's who we go to. And John says, everyone who practices sin, practices lawlessness, And you need to understand here, note things, that uh, when John uses this word practice sinning, he is not talking about those individual sins that we all commit on a daily basis. But he's talking about the person, the word here, he's talking about the person who habitually sins and essentially doesn't care about it. I know that I sin. I know that I practice lawlessness and I really don't care. I'm just going to continue to do that. And John will go on to say, those who practice that sinfulness, that ongoing, continual sin, not confessing, not really caring that they're sinning, he says they are not marked as children of God, but they are, in fact, marked as children of the evil one. Children of the devil. Now, when we read those words in John's gospel, it should waken us up a little bit to say, how am I doing in this? Is there a, a sin that I habitually practice that really I'm, I enjoy so much 
Then I'm going to keep doing it. You see, sin, sin is often enjoyable. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. Because most of us say, we hit our thumb with the hammer. We don't say, well, that was fun. I'm going to do that again. The same as with sin. If, if sin hit us like a hammer every time, we might stop and say, that's not enjoyable. But the, the problem is that sin is often enjoyable. We continue to do it, even to our own hurt or the hurt of others. Once heard the story of um, about what sin is like. And sin is like walking across a, a lawn, stepping in a pile of, I don't know what you call it here in Huron, but we call it dew. And it's not like the dew that falls from the sky, but it's the stuff that the dog left behind. And often, sometimes what we do, or we, I should say what we don't do, is we don't just step in it and go, ooh, that's a mess, that really stinks, and just continue to walk off. To walk into our home and not know the smell or recognize the smell, but everybody in the house smells it. In fact, sometimes it happens to us and we don't even know we stepped in it, but until you get in the car. Have you ever had that happen? You've stepped in it and then you get in the car and you realize something's not right. But, but too often what we are is we, we step in that and we just continue to, to live. But what we, the reality is that when you step in it, you do everything in your power to get it off your shoe. You will scrape it on the grass. You will go over to the curb and try to wipe it off. You will get a stick and dig it out. And whoa, if you have one of those big waffle boots, you know, where it's in every crack. You will take this off and you will wash it. You will wipe it. You will do everything in your power to get it off of you. And that's the way we should deal with sin. That when we get close to sin, we do everything in our power not to uh, keep it on us, but to get it removed. And we, as John says in chapter 1, we get it by, removed by confessing our sins to Jesus. And he cleanses us. He takes the shoe off and he washes it clean. He puts that good smelly powder inside. He makes it better than new. Too often, I know in my life, it seems that I see that pile on the lawn and I purposely step in it. But our lives as followers of Jesus should be those who are walking across the lawn of this life and see that stuff, and we go, oh my goodness, I'm going to step right around that. 
I'm not going to go anywhere close to that because I don't want it to get on my shoes. I don't want the smell to uh, enfold me. We need to see it and run from it, as Paul will tell Timothy, uh, flee youthful lust. You see the dog do, run. Don't walk in it. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as Jesus, as he is righteous. John is telling us we are to practice righteousness. We are to practice the things that God wants us to do. But realize the standard for righteousness that John's talking about here is found in Jesus, not in us. It's not our standard of righteousness. It's Christ's standard of righteousness. He is the, the model there. It's not our world standard of righteousness but Christ's standard. Too often, I'm one who settles for Randall's righteousness or the world's righteousness, but I can't. I need to realize the standard is Jesus. It's him who I focus my eyes on. Don't be deceived. Verse 8, whoever practices righteous, uh, practices, excuse me, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. He returns to that truth. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy, annihilate, sin, to annihilate the works of the devil. He doesn't have to have power over us anymore. We can walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit. We can abide in Jesus, and Jesus can abide in us because Christ on the cross has destroyed the works of the devil. We don't have to keep on sinning, John says, and he's written earlier that we have read. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed, God's life, abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. If we're walking in the Spirit, if we are truly God's children, then there's that Spirit at work in us and says, you can't keep doing this. We know that, and by the Spirit's power and by even our choice, we will choose to do righteousness and not to keep on sinning. But again, we come back to chapter 1 where John says, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have someone who pleads our case. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the, we talked about it before, he is the propitiation. He has satisfied the wrath of God. 
We can walk in his righteousness. Verse 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. He sadly ends this paragraph in kind of a negative way. He says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. John brings it home to rest. He says, if you're not practicing righteousness, it's one of the indicators that you may not be a child of God. And that, that's tough language, but it's language that we need to be called to. And he says, gives this prime example of what righteousness looks like. He says it's loving your brother. Loving your brother. That's what Jesus said. That's what John includes of Jesus' teaching in his gospel when Jesus says over and over and over again, this is how they will know that you are my disciples by your love one for the other. And he calls us to love. And he says, as we, at the end of his priestly prayer, he says, as you love one another, then the world will know that I am sent from the Father. One of the greatest evangelistic tools we have is the body of Christ, is the family of God, is to love one another. It's one of the key indicators of righteousness in our relationship with the Father. Loving one another. So that's our encouragement for us today, that we love one another and so prove to be Christ's disciples. And I know there's been some negative things in here, but it's in order to move us to understand that we are God's children and how much he loves us, even in the midst of our brokenness. Let me sum it up in this way. John gives us, uh, so far in his letter, John gives us some um, ways that we can, or I should put it this way, ways that sin is dealt with. One of the first ways that sin is dealt with is that we deny its existence. That's what the Gnostics were doing that John is writing against. He is saying, they would say that sin just doesn't exist. And that's the message in our world today. For so many people, you would say, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. And their response is, I'm not a sinner. Therefore, I don't know Jesus. I don't think that sin exists. We are, by nature, there are Lots of people who will say this, there's that philosophy that says, by nature, we are good people. They haven't met me. They haven't met you. We are not by nature good people. In fact, the scriptures are very clear. We are by nature sinners, people in need of grace and forgiveness. But we can deal with 
sin by denying its existence. We can deal with sin by, um, second of all, by uh, becoming indifferent to its gravity, to its seriousness. The psalmist, I believe in Psalm 4, verse 4, the psalmist says, I am fearful of sin. It scares the living daylights out of me. Remember in Genesis when Cain is going to strike out against his brother. And God says to him, sin, Satan is crouching at your door. The New Testament writers will say that sin is, uh, and Satan is seeking to devour us. Sin is serious business. And sometimes we just, one way that we deal with it is just kind of say, well, it's, it's really not that bad. Or we align ourselves with the other person. Say, I'm not as bad as that person. Another way that we need to deal with sin is to, first of all, admit its reality. Its reality in the world and its reality in me. That sin is really there. And once I admit its reality, John says, I need to confess it. I need to get it out. I need to confess it to God. And um, we also read in, in the letters in the New Testament, I just can't remember right off the top of my little brain, but it says that we are to confess our sins one to another. That scares the living daylights out of me. That I would grab one of your brothers and say, here's what I'm struggling with. If I know you love me with everything you've got, I'll be more apt to say I am a broken person. The pastor is a sinner. I step in the stuff. The scriptures tell us that as we confess our sins one to another, we shall be healed. So we need to admit our sin. We need to confess it. And then we need to receive forgiveness for it. For Christ forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then as John told us today, the, one of the results of that forgiveness is that we will practice righteousness. We can do it because Christ has forgiven us and Christ has empowered us and we are the children of God. So, child of God, today... whether you're in the building or in the metaverse, but I understand it's out there now. Let's practice righteousness. As children of God, let us love one another.
hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Europe. Have a blessed day.